good evening, everyone. It's great to see you here tonight. Welcome to Grace Church. It's good to see all of you here on campus. And for those of you that are joining us via live stream, we're glad that you're with us tonight as well. Happy Wednesday. Wow, that's pretty, pretty week. Happy Wednesday. Just, just let me know you're alive, that there's a pulse in there somewhere. Amen. So uh, just a few announcements this evening. want to remind you, uh, Friday and Saturday, the 18th and 19th, uh, it's this coming weekend, Grace will host the Junior Bible Quiz State Finals, and uh, those times have been posted on the calendar. Just want to make you aware of that, and uh, as many of you that can, if your schedule permits, we would love to have you here to be able to see uh, not just what Grace Kids can do, they're pretty awesome, but just what all of these uh, young people that will be here on campus have been doing and uh, just the mastery that they have of these sections of the Word of God that they've been studying. It's an awesome thing. Uh, senior camp, that's for all of our students ages 16 to 21, will be uh, the 21st to the 25th of June. And then on June 20th is Father's Day, Dad's Day, on Sunday the 20th and Hopefully, you will be able to celebrate your dad. <clears throat> Hopefully, everybody's dad will get, get celebrated. And uh, then we just want to encourage you to stay tuned uh, to everything going on here at Grace Church via the church app or by clicking on the events tab on the webpage. Before pastor comes this evening, I just want to uh, leave you with one quick thought. First John 1 and 9 says that if we are, if we confess our sins then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or wickedness, depending on the translation that you're looking at. You notice it doesn't say that he is kind and patient to forgive. It says that he is, and he is, he is kind and he is patient, but it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. For God to hold us accountable for our sin after he has already laid that sin on his one and only son, and Jesus paid the penalty for that, it would be to undermine the potency of what Christ did on Calvary. God would be essentially requiring a double payment for something that Jesus already paid for in full. You know, our, our sin has been paid for once and for all by the person of Jesus Christ, and it has been applied to us by our faith, our belief, and our trust in Him. Now, that's not to say that sin doesn't have consequences. Absolutely, it does. Sin does have consequences, but for the believer... That consequence will never be God's unwillingness to forgive. That is a powerful, powerful thing. He is willing to forgive. And because of that promise that we read in 1 John 1 and 9, we will receive mercy. We'll, we will find grace. We will have forgiveness. He's paid the price. He will forgive. Our part is to confess and to repent. And his part is to forgive when we do. That's awesome. That's awesome. God bless you this evening, Grace Church. Thank you, Brother Cooper. And it is great to see everybody tonight. And uh, I am hoping that um, the other half of Grace Church that's in Tioga will find their way home eventually. I'm hoping and praying along that line, and uh, but we're glad you're here, and I uh, thank you for being here tonight. And uh, in reference to Jason's announcement of Father's Day, he was obviously making a big, huge, or giving a big, big hint to children and kids, young people, what have you that are here tonight whose father may need some recognition, but I have a feeling that Jason was really trying to point out his that to his own three children who are sitting in this building right now. And I think two out of the three got it. 
<clears throat> you could tell by the response. The other one just kind of napped through it. We're not going to call Owen's name or anything like that, but uh, it, it was, uh, I think, the two on this side got it, the one on this side just. So Owen, he would like just lots of accolade, love, and appreciation on Father's Day. That's what he was fishing for. So just remember when Father's take a picture with him, uh, write him out a nice card. Uh, uh, if you can, borrow some money from your mother and buy him a nice gift. That's what he was after. So, got it? Okay. All right. So, uh, Jason, you're welcome. <clears throat> and uh, that was totally unsolicited. I love Wednesday night Bible study just to have moments like that one to uh, have a little bit of fun. And uh, speaking of Jason Cooper, uh, Sister Murph and I were preaching away Sunday, and uh, on the way home, uh, we listened to uh, Brother Jason's message uh, Sunday about hope hurts. If you were not here, or were not, if you were not here, uh, you would do yourself a favor. It would be a tremendous blessing if you could go back and either listen or watch. Uh, his message on our uh, podcast, what have you. Uh, it was excellent. Uh, Casey texted us not long after church and talked about how amazing his message was, and I told Sister Murph I would expect nothing less out of Brother Jason. He does tremendous every time he preaches, but that one was uh, one certainly worthy of revisiting. I want to uh, <clears throat> jump into our Bible study tonight, and I'm thankful for all of you that are here, and um, we're going to be talking about the fifth commandment tonight, and uh, I'm going to comment a little bit more along this line, but it's interesting to me, and most of you know this, when you read the Ten Commandments, that the first four has to do with our relationship with God. The last six has to do with our relationship with ourselves and others. It's interesting to me that the fifth commandment, the one that follows what our relationship with God should be, what it's modeling and what it's teaching and commanding, that the very next commandment has to do with parents. And that's interesting to me that God put it in that order. Murder wasn't next. Uh, committing adultery wasn't next. The first commandment having to do with our relationship with one another has to do with parents. And I will tell you up front that this is a very challenging, it's a, I think it's a, an amazing presentation, um, amazing material, but it's hard. So I will need for all of you, I would like for every age group, here tonight, I'm assuming everybody here tonight has parents. I think one guy, Owen, did you catch on to that too? Or is it, I, I go into some more detail, okay. Um, but I'm assuming everybody here tonight has parents. If you don't, raise your hand. Um, uh, how did you get here otherwise? But um, the Bible said in Exodus chapter 20, and this is a hard, hard verse. As a matter of fact, for most people that would read this verse in their Bible, they'd probably just skim over it. It's a good concept. It's a good principle. But it's certainly not one that can be applicable to me. Because if you knew my parents, I want to, I want to comment a few minutes, uh, if I can, before we get into this study. Let me go ahead and read the verse. You'll see it on the screen. The Bible said, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's a lot of context into that that we don't have time to go into tonight. But I thought a lot about this parenting thing, and I mean, to some degree, I feel like I've, I've kind of earned a little bit of a right to talk about it just based on experience and of course now being a grandfather um, parenting children raising children 
is an enormous challenge. And um, I've done huge quantities of listening to people talk. I've done huge quantities of, of trying to advise and suggest. You could call it counseling, I guess. Trying to have people understand a proper posture towards parents that they don't feel like is worthy of their honor. It's one of the most challenging things I suppose that people have, have come to me with is and where it's difficult is when I know the parents in a particular situation, whatever it may be, and large in part agree with the person that's talking to me about their parents because I know them too. And um, it's a hard thing when you're when your mom and dad does not fulfill their biblical responsibility. I'm talking to every age group here tonight. If you're old enough to understand what I'm saying, this is applicable to you. I'm trying to help some people here tonight from the pulpit. Maybe it'll save you from having to come to the office and talk to me about it. But every parent I've learned, and no offense to our parents here tonight, but every parent I've learned has a potential of being an idiot in one way or another because we're all human. Every parent has the potential to be awesome. But I think what most people don't understand when they father or mother a child is it takes incredible discipline and incredible accountability. And we unfortunately live in a country, unfortunately along this line, uh, we live in a country that, that people don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do, be what I want to be, act like I want to act. And when it comes to my kids, I'll let the chips fall where they may. We have a lot of people that think that. They don't say it. They're not that brash and harsh to say it, but they live it. So tonight I want to give this Bible study a title that may be offensive to some. If you think that uh, there's no way this can be applicable to me, but I'm going to ask you to hear me out. We, we have folks here tonight that their parents walked out of their life. We have people here tonight that's been molested by their parent, one of their parents. They've been abused by their parents. They've not been provided for by their parents. I could go on and on, and you can add to that list whatever is applicable to you. But according to the Scripture, and in honor of the Scripture, and teaching what the Scripture commands, I want to title this tonight, Honoring Your Heritage. And you may think, <laughs> that's not possible. You want me to honor what? Not long ago, the, the, the very prominent cable TV mogul, Ted Turner, declared that the Ten Commandments were obsolete. He said, we're living with outmoded, with outmoded rules. We're living with outmoded rules, excuse me. The rules we're living under are the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> he said, I bet nobody here even pays much attention to them because they are too old. He went on to say that when Moses went up, and, uh, up on the mountain, there were no nuclear weapons. There was no poverty, he said. I'm not sure where he got that from. He said, today the Ten Commandments wouldn't go over. Nobody around likes to be commanded, he said. He said, commandments are out. So while Turner is right that nobody likes to be commanded, I believe he is dead wrong in calling the Ten Commandments outmoded rules. In fact, in my opinion and from my experience and what I've worked with with people, the Ten Commandments couldn't be more relevant. So tonight, and I've already touched on this, but we'll begin the second portion of the Ten Commandments. I hope none of you are bored with this. I, I find it incredibly compelling 
incredibly relevant. And those that choose to play around on your smart device while this is going on is to your own. Well, you, you're missing out. Again, the first four commandments have to do with our vertical relationship with God, and we've talked about those. But the last six have to do with our horizontal relationship with each other. And these are the ones, in my opinion, that get right down to where the rubber meets the road and building a healthy life. These are commandments that if you obey them, you can build a healthy life. If you discard even one of them, you're inviting something into your life that you don't have the ability to deal with. Amen. So listen very carefully. You can obey them and build a healthy life and home, but it is impossible to properly obey the last six commandments until you have obeyed the first four. That's why, listen to pastor tonight. Everybody listen. That's why unchurched people, unbelieving people, even bitter church people, backslidden church people, uh, church people that, that are now aloof to church. This is why when those people who seek counseling for family problems find it so hard to make the necessary changes in their family to have a successful family. It's because they have no inner spiritual relationship with God to help them with their relationships. Man, I wish everybody could understand this. I wish everybody could hear it. Just give me the satisfaction of listening. I can sleep with a better conscience tonight if you will. Obviously, in God's plan... The family plays an enormously important role. It is to offer unconditional love. The family is to offer unconditional love and lifelong companionship to its members. The family is to be the first church. It's to be the first school. It's to be the first hospital. It's to be the first government. I teach here at Grace Church that this pulpit should back up what's going on in your home, not the other way around. It's the way God intended it. It's God, family, and then the church comes along several thousand years later. God's plan for the home is it is where children learn about their male and female roles. God's plan for the home is to teach children how to communicate their ideas and their feelings, how to enjoy life, and how to endure pain. Family life provides, family life provides the safest parameters in which to discover acceptable and unacceptable behavior. That's God's intent. In short, the home is the principal place for spiritual, emotional, and moral training and our parents are or should be our first teachers if they are they deserve honor that was God's plan that's what God intended so before we discuss how to honor our parents we need to talk more completely to identify just who we are talking about, especially today when so many children are raised outside of a two-parent, opposite-sex, married model. It is possible for all of us to honor our parents. It is possible. It is. It is possible. For all of us to honor our parents no matter what their condition, no matter what their behavior, no matter what our relationship is to them. Where there is God's will, everybody listen to pastor. There's people chatting around the building and I hope 
what you're saying to the person next to you is more important than what I'm saying. <clears throat> I apologize for being brash, but I'm really passionate about this study tonight. It is possible for all of us to honor our parents, no matter what their condition, no matter what their behavior, no matter what our relationship is to them. Listen to Pastor. Where there is God's will, where there is the will of God, there is always a way to obey it. Everybody say amen. Parents can be defined as three, on three different levels. Parents can be defined as on three different levels or as three kinds of people in our lives. First of all, there's biological parents. All of us have two of those. We have two biological parents. We have two legal parents. The third one is a little harder to achieve. And that is nurturing parents. So you have these three categories of, of parents. I want everybody to apply this to you. If you're a parent tonight, I'd like you to apply it as a parent. But if you're a parent or you've not had children yet, you can still apply it because those of us that are here tonight that are parents, we still have parents in our lives. Mine are deceased, but I can still talk about them. I can still remember them, and I can still remember how they impacted my life for the good or the bad. I'm very happy to boast here tonight, if you will, to brag that my mom and dad, my dad was not a minister, but he had four boys that were in his family, four out of six. I give a lot of credit. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Was our home perfect? No, it wasn't. But they did the best they could with what they knew to work with and what they had, etc. And I give them a lot of honor. We were very poor, but I give them a lot of credit. So let me ask you tonight, as God would know, certainly as God would know what would happen on this planet between parents and children when he gave this commandment of all cultures, this isn't just specifically to the American culture. This goes to every family structure around the world. doesn't matter what culture they're in. Why did God give this commandment? Because God intended His plan was first of all that respect would begin in the home. I may say listen to pastor 400 times here tonight, but don't let that get common to you. The home is intended by God to be the birthplace of, first of all, a child's self-esteem, which is their view of themselves. The home should be the birthplace of that. The home should be the birthplace of how to properly identify yourself as a human on this planet, where your standing is in family, where you're accepted in culture and so on. If you folks could understand my passion about this is, is the number of people that come in and out of my office. I say that figuratively speaking. It might be my office. It could be at lunch. It could be at dinner. It could be in their home, my home. It could be anywhere. The conversation takes place. Is my, my daddy would never affirm me. My daddy would never brag on me. My daddy would never tell me he loved me. My daddy would never play ball with me. I've heard that for years. And so this person sitting across from me feels no value because they're one of their parents, and don't take both, just one of their parents did not affirm them. God intended for respect to begin in the home. Honor your father and mother. He intended for, self, for, for uh, respect to begin in the home that self-esteem would begin there, would be taught there. Number two, a respect for authority. So where self-esteem is taught in the home of the child and, and view of themselves, respect for authority is their view of others. And then values are to be taught in home is their view of God and life in general. If any of these three things break down, 
then you have potentially what we would refer to in our culture as a dysfunctional person. Because one of these three things was overlooked and not sufficiently fulfilled in the home. That's self-esteem, respect, and values. I may get a lot of pushback from this. I may get a lot of feedback from this. But I'm teaching what I believe is the Bible. This is what God intended. I want to say in passing that I believe that God knew when he created man and woman what it would take to birth a child. And he also knew that there would be a lot of people that would birth, that would father a child or a mother that would give birth to a child that did not have the necessary tools, the necessary capabilities or education, whatever you want to put in that blank to sufficiently raise that child. I believe God knew that. But in God's nature, to be fair to everybody, how would you choose if you were God who could have kids and who, who didn't? We believe we could. If we believe we can do that, then how much more could God do that? But he didn't do it that way. He trusted that a mom and dad would teach their children self-esteem, respect, and values. God gave us the fifth commandment because he knew how easy it would be for us to develop a disrespectful attitude towards our parents. You'll notice tonight a breakdown of age, and I, I think most of you will concur, that as children, as children, we're basically selfish, and we want everything to go our way. Does anybody have a child like that? Don't raise your hand. It'd be everybody here that has a child would raise their hand. The problem was they're 40 years old and they still act like that. That's where it gets to be a problem. But anyway, but as children, all of us when we were children, and then parents here tonight who have had children will agree that children are selfish. It's mine. Mine. You can't have it. It's mine. It's mine. I tease our children a lot here at Grace Church, and I, I enjoy that. I, I, I love our, our students, our children. I love them deeply. And so I'll see one of our little bitty ones walking around with a little piece of candy or a little bag of cookies or crackers, and I'll snatch it out of their hand and say, hey, can I have this? I know what the answer is going to be. Absolutely not. You cannot have that. I don't care how hungry you are. I don't care how sad you look. I don't care how many tears run down your cheek. You cannot have that. That's mine. And even though I've already eaten a half a bag of them and can't hold no more, I'm not sharing them with you either. That's a child. They're all selfish. How many parents here tonight? They're going to say, but not my child, Brother Murphy. My child is so loving and giving. He or she is three, and they'll give away all their toys. Just want to say you're living in la-la land some kind of way and have no ability to see reality. But anyway, we can talk about that later. But that's children, basically selfish, wanting everything to go our way. As teenagers, <coughs> front row boy, as teenagers... <laughs> We think our parents are hopelessly outdated and behind the times. And all of the teenagers here tonight should be shouting, Amen! You bunch of weenies. I know you're thinking it. All of you are thinking it. Anyway, we'll continue. But teenagers think parents are hopelessly outdated. I did with my parents... Even though I grew up in the 60s, I don't know how they could be that outdated because just that chasm wasn't as wide as back then as it is now. But I know, buddy, I heard it from my two. Hey, Casey ain't here tonight. She's at the campground. I can have fun tonight, buddy. I ain't got them two eyes bearing down on me. What's that thing they do? Dad, you're so old, foggy and old-fashioned. I still hear it. As young adults, we become consumed with the responsibilities of work and marriage. That's all important. That's all that's important is work and trying to save our marriage. That's it. That's all we've got time to do. Work is probably the priority over the two from my experience with these people. As middle-aged adults, 
We view the needs of our aged parents as wearisome burdens that infringe on our hard-earned time and freedom. Mama's in her 80s and daddy's 98 or whatever and just stick them in a nursing home so we can go on with our life. Anybody have that attitude? Y'all ain't going to say nothing either, huh? Okay, we're not a very brave bunch here tonight, but I understand. I'm trying to lighten this up a little. <laughs> but if we want to have... If we want to have a right relationship with God, we need to have a right relationship with our parents. I trumpet that, especially to our parents with smaller children. Please don't be an idiot. Do what you need to do and raise your children to the very best of your ability. Y'all listen to this. Everybody listen. This may shock some of you. The Bible says to love God. The Bible says to love strangers. The Bible says to love our neighbors. But nowhere does it specifically command us to love our parents. There's about five or six people there here tonight that just missed that. What the Bible does say is that we should honor our parents. We are commanded to honor our parents because it is the best way to compensate for the tension-filled parent-child relationship in which the word love may take such a horrible beating. We are commanded to honor our parents because it is the best way to compensate for the tension-filled parent-child relationship in which love may sometimes take a beating. Some of you still didn't hear that. The word honor is kabad in the Hebrew language, if I'm pronouncing that properly, probably not. But the word honor in Hebrew means to add weight. It's taken from the ancient concept that something heavy was thought to have greater value. So the fifth commandment tells us to value our parents. Do not want to be taken out of context, but I want to say again, God commands us to love strangers, neighbors, to love God himself, commands all of that. But he never said specifically, thou shalt love thy parents. But he did say to honor them. God, strangers, and neighbors do not put the same ego demands on us that parents do. Just ask any 60-year-old who always feels like a child in the presence of his or her parent. I'll never forget, I was, and I've told this story before, I had not long been in ministry. We were evangelizing. I was 30-something, 20, in my late 20s, excuse me. And my mother was at the campground in Tioga, and... Uh, Brother Creel, pastor in Westlake, drove by. She knew him. She flagged him down and said, I want you to meet my baby. There was something that compelled me on the inside to jump up in her arms and throw up down her back like babies do. To let her see what kind of baby I now am. I am a grown-up baby. Give me some latitude here, but my throw up is a little more chunky now than it used to be when I was six weeks old. Anybody feel me? Boy, I was offended at that. She hurt my, I felt degraded. Come meet my baby. And I know parents mean that as a term of endearment, but I talked to a man several years ago. I saw him at a conference, and uh, he had his in-laws with, with him. If I called these names, you'd know all of them, so I won't do that. But he told me just in a moment of frustration, I don't know this man that well, but he's the son-in-law, and he said, I am so tired 
of my in-laws treating me like I'm 12 years old. I want to say to our parents here tonight, if you do that, stop it. Realize the age of your children and treat them that way. Did I just say something bad? I mean, it, I mean, if you're an elderly parent here tonight and you have grown kids and you still treat them like they're 10, you're not helping them with that. And you're not helping your relationship with them doing that. It needs to stop. I are an older parent. And I have grown kids, and I do my dead-level best to recognize them, appreciate them, and respect them based on their age, their knowledge, and their experience. And I think they would agree with that. I kind of slip up now and then with Casey because she's still my. <laughs> but I don't do it in front of her. Don't do it in front of her. I never introduced her to anybody as here's my baby that's, even though she's almost 40, she's still in my mind 10 years old. I, I just, I don't do it. But I want everybody here to understand that what the fifth commandment is actually telling all of us to do is to value, to give weight and honor to our parents. Jewish rabbis have taught that parents are to be honored because they are partners with God. Now, you may have a parent that you don't feel like that towards. If that's a partner with God, then God is as devious as my parents are or whatever. But he, God, is the author of life. And they, our parents, cooperate with him by bringing a child into the world. And for that basis alone, God believes it is sufficient that you can honor your parents. God asks men and women to multiply the earth and I've not seen anywhere in the Bible where he's reversed that so when a man and woman come together and they give birth to a child they are obeying God's command so because God is the author of life and your parents obeyed him by you being here the rabbis taught that that's sufficient to give your mom and dad honor. I believe God also knew that there are no perfect parents. Are y'all bored with this yet? I'm, 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 I'm trying to keep everybody awake and alive here. I'm, I'm giving you information that's going to help you if you'll receive it. God also knew that there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect parents. Parents may mess up everything after our birth. Parents may mess up completely and totally. Your mom or dad may turn out to be the biggest jerk, idiot, whatever word you want to put in that blank, after you're born. But they are still worthy of honor as the earthly source of our life. You wouldn't be out. We'd be here tonight without either one of them. So it is possible to honor unworthy parents, not only because God commands it, but for our own personal well-being. It is in your best interest as a child of your parents to honor them even though you may not love them all that much. You can still honor them because they are your source of life. Not every family will succeed in providing a child with self-esteem. Not every family, not every set of parents will, will succeed in providing every child with respect for authority and value. Some will utterly fail in all of these tasks. But the fifth commandment still remains true and we must obey it. We must honor our parents even if they f fall severely short of God's intention for their role in our life. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying so hard to help somebody here tonight. So let me tell you what the fifth commandment does not mean. It does not mean honor only if your parent is deserving of it. It does not mean honor 
only if your parent honors you in return. It does not mean honor if only if your siblings also show honor. It does not mean to honor your parents only if you feel good about doing it. Folks, only God is a perfect parent. The rest of us have weaknesses and faults and inconsistency. You don't know how many times there are so many events in my life that I can rehearse. I could rehearse some of them to you right now that I wish I could go back and do over when I failed at being the good parent or the best parent. I can apologize and say I'm sorry, but that doesn't go back and fix the error, does it? Even the best of parents have made mistakes and sinned. On top of that, every child on this planet has sinned as well. So bottom line, we're all warped. Bottom line, we all have some level of dysfunction. As the title of Wendy Kaminer's book, it says, I'm dysfunctional, you're dysfunctional. Only one thing you find out in counseling is that those who never come in for counseling are usually naively causing the problems of those who do. And I've learned that. So you may ask tonight, and it's a fair question, what if my parents were abusive and manipulative and neglectful and unworthy of honor? Am I supposed to ignore the pain and pretend that everything is great? No. But God does not say that we must honor the, the excuse me, no, but God does say that we must honor the position of parenthood regardless of the personality or actions behind it. I guess it's a similar thing that maybe you could understand this way, that we respect the president of our country no matter if we really believe in him or support him or whatever. We, we, we respect him and honor him just because of the position. You're not necessarily respecting the man, but you respect the office. And I believe tonight this is what the scripture is saying, that you can respect your mom or dad no matter what's happened in your life for the position they hold, not because of the personality or the actions behind it. The third thing we need to understand is how I relate to my parents will affect every other relationship. And folks, if you haven't heard anything else I've said, and I say this often, I say it as often as I can, I have literally worked conversation around in certain cases where I could make this statement. What parents don't understand and what, what the kids don't understand, what, they don't, what most people do not connect, is your parents, when you were born, your mom and dad were the first relationship that you ever knew in your life. And that becomes the standard for every relationship that follows it. So if you have a very difficult relationship with your parents, more than likely your relationship in marriage, and then when you become a parent, is going to be very, very difficult because you'll relate back to that model that was set before you with your own parents. It takes a lot of work to exceed that. It takes a lot of work to exceed that. Has anybody ever heard that if... You're, if you're a man and your dad physically abused your mother, that more than likely you will abuse your wife when you get married. Has anybody ever heard that? It's a generational thing. It kind of, things have a tendency to repeat. I don't know how many couples, how many men, moms or dads that I've talked to through my years of ministry and have pleaded with them to break the cycle. You do not have to raise your children like you were raised. I know a man, he's gone on to meet the Lord. I believe he had a tremendous relationship with God. But I remember he told me when he was 14 years old, his daddy drug him out to the barn and tied him to a horse stable and beat him with a chain. And when he was done, the 14-year-old boy turned around, looked at his dad and said, you will never do that to me again and you'll never see me again. But not once. 
Does he ever take either of his boys out to a horse barn and beat them with a chain either? He broke that cycle of abuse. He was still a very hard man. He was a very hard man. I would call him crusty. He was a crusty, calloused man. But he was never abusive like that. He was determined to break the cycle. That was his model of parenting. He's been whipped with a bull whip and everything you can imagine. But he broke the cycle. It takes a lot of discipline and accountability to be a parent to break those kind of cycles. <clears throat> so how you relate to your parents is the major forming factor in your life. Your style of relating to others is set while you live at home. Even today as an adult, when you act in ways you don't understand and can't figure out your behavior, many times it's because you're still reacting to your parents. Many marriages have been ruined because a spouse has never resolved a relationship with a parent. I've, I, know, I know what I'm talking about with this. I've, I've dealt with it. I've helped people work through it. I've helped people try to work through it. I've helped people and advised them to work through it, and they never did. There may be folks here tonight that still haven't. Parental betrayal, parental failure, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the most difficult relationships because of the level of it and what God intended it to be. It's one of the most difficult things that can happen to a person and then expect them to carry on normal. Now, I'm not here tonight to say everybody should get on certain television shows and just beat your parents to death. The reason I'm an idiot is because they were. I believe everybody has a brain, and you can learn what biblical precedent is, what biblical principle is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can learn what that is, and nobody in this building tonight has to act out around your children the way your parents did around you. But on the other hand, neither are you been given a license to never discipline and to never have any hands-on work with your kids because your parents were too overbearing. I could talk a lot about that. My time's up tonight, and I'll finish this next Wednesday. But I've seen this on, I've seen two things with parents with small children, and I, I conclude with this. I've seen two things happen. One of two things happen. They will either discipline totally opposite of what their parents did to them, or they will try to live their life through their children. They will give their children what they never got, and they go overboard with it. Neither one is correct, in my opinion. The Bible is the model. And you learn and you educate yourself on what biblical principle is, and that's how you raise your children. And it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of accountability to do that. But it can be done, and there's a lot of people that have done it, and they've raised tremendous, tremendous kids. I've seen parents who have failed in their later years quit serving God for whatever reason, and their kids still go on serving God because they so instill beautifully in them the principles of God's word and no matter what parents did in an older age, their children knew enough to continue their relationship with God, have healthy homes, healthy children, and there are people here tonight that have done that. So I hope you understand tonight that the fifth commandment cannot be overlooked, but there are ways to reconcile it without compromising it, without diluting it, and without ignoring it. You may not love your parents that much, You may not like them that much, but you can honor them because they obeyed one of God's first commandments given to Adam and Eve. They obeyed that, and you're here as a result of it, and for that you give them honor. I would like to make a disclaimer here tonight that this will probably be one of the most silent crowd response presentations I've ever made in my life. So I'd like for people that watch this in the future,
that our mics for, for crowd response are on. One's pointing in the wrong direction over there for some reason, but uh, they're on. It's just nobody, uh, they all just sit and listen. There are people here. We're not still in quarantine. There are people in the building. There's a good, healthy crowd here tonight. So um, I just want everybody to know that. I have valued this moment with so many of you here tonight to teach this subject. I hope every age group that's old enough to understand, I hope all of you have heard it and that you can process it, maybe go listen to it again, watch it again, and understand that you can have a clear conscience toward your parents no matter what, no matter what's happened, no matter what's happened. So God bless you tonight. I appreciate so much your being here. And um, let's pray tonight in conclusion. Father, we love you tonight. We're thankful for the word of God. And we know that this has been a very deep, uh, probing Bible study. that when you've asked people to pray to address you as their father, so many people struggle with that. But I hope tonight, God, that we can leave here with a little bit of a clearer understanding. I pray tonight, God, that we can leave here with a clearer conscience, that we have even more to pray about and to do some soul searching with, that people will take this seriously, that they'll take it to their heart, they'll put it in their head, and let the, let the Spirit of God have his way in working through the thought processes, forgiveness, all of these things, of things because of things that may have happened in our life. God, I pray your blessing on Grace Church, on all of our people. I pray your blessing that they're understanding, that they're forgiving, that they're loving no matter what. pray that you bless in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. And we'll plan to see you Sunday morning.